0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. And happy to be joined once again by Jamie Lamp McIntosh, as well as have a- Thor's daughter from the new film Babylon set to open on Christmas in theaters everywhere. Jamie Lee's past credits include Captain Marvel, Us, Ad Astra. She just received an Emmy nomination this year for the Showtime series, The First Lady, as well as more recently, Don't Worry Darling, and when we chatted about Blonde a couple months ago. And then Heba's past credits include Quentin Tarantino films, such as the Kill Bill films and Glory's Bastards, Jane Go Unchained. And more recently, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, as well as a slew of Marvel films like Spider-Man Homecoming, Ant-Man and Avengers Endgame, as well as a personal favorite of mine, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button and Bridesmaids. And then this year again with Don't Worry Darling. Thanks. Thank you both so much for joining me.
1: Thanks for having us. Nice to be here, Mix.
0: Um, (laughs) So I'd love to start at the beginning of each of your relationship with this project. I believe neither of you worked with Damien before on any of his past films like Whiplash, La La Lander, First Man. So if you could each share what brought you on board to Babylon and Heba, uh, we could start with you.
1: Um, I got recommended by his uh, assistant director uh, like a year and a half before we started shooting. So there was actually a different assistant director by the time we actually got into production, but I will forever be grateful for to you, Scott Robinson. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so he suggested me, I had actually worked with a producer before. And so it just uh, all kind of came together and uh, we had our first meeting and we agreed that it definitely should be greedy, dirty, sweaty. And so you know that 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 was it
0: and jamie lee for you
2: um i actually have no idea how um damien got my name but i would like to know if anybody knows um, <laughs> but it I'll was take the um, credit yeah yeah heba heba <laughs> did it it was totally heba um <laughs> i do know scott robinson so maybe it was him who knows anyway um So I interviewed with Damien at the beginning of COVID. So it was over Zoom and it was a couple of weeks after the project that I was on had shut down and L.A. had kind of gone into lockdown. Um, And I'd read the script and then spoke to him. And, yeah, I was so taken with the script that... Oh, man, I was just like this interview. Because once you read it, you're just hooked. Um, And then, yeah, we had to wait and wait and wait until COVID protocols could kind of allow us to shoot this epic film. So it was, yeah, over a year later that we started.
0: I wanted to circle back to Damien, this being the first collaboration that either of you had in working with him. He's obviously established himself as one of the great directors of his generation with the films he's done before. So can each of you talk a bit about working with him and carrying out his vision for the film and if his passion and encyclopedic knowledge for the golden age of cinema was just obvious at first meeting with him, Jamie Lee.
2: Um, I don't know if he showed me, all of his genius at once, yeah. um, it kind of just came as time went on, just more and more. I was just like, man, this dude is incredible. His vision's amazing. The script just blows your mind. Um, very rarely I can sit and read a whole script from start to finish in one sitting. I normally get very distracted and stand up and go do something else, um, but I was hooked with that. And just he's so collaborative that it just makes it such an enjoyable experience um he's willing to have the discussions and kind of go back and forth on on ideas and that just makes the whole experience so much more just fun and enjoyable and creative so yeah he was he was an awesome director to to work with absolutely
1: mm-hmm.
0: and have a what was it like working one-on-one with damien
1: it it was just incredible he He had such a vision, and also the prep even got longer. Um, I heard that he had mentioned this project to somebody like 13 years ago. So he obviously was working on this for a long, long time, and he has so much research. And he was, you know, he would... He would have his vision and stuff, but he wasn't controlling in a way. Like he would just like plant the seed and let you run with it. And as long as it was sweaty, <laughs> uh, he, you know, it. It Babylon is about wannabes and people who want to be in front and behind the camera in Hollywood, and it. You know, he wanted us to feel that. And it's like in the second, you know, scene of the movie when, when, um, when Nellie wakes up and you see where she lives, like they were living like rats, yeah. you know, basically They she had nothing. And so, you know, and it's like, so we had to, not only did he want everything timeless because Babylon is about you know, Hollywood that keeps repeating itself. So it didn't only happen in the 20s. And, um, and well, obviously the silent to talkies only happened then, but, you know, the other sub stories of it is very familiar to a lot of people. And um, so, you know, when, when she comes to the party, it's like, you know, she doesn't even really have a lipstick or she might have one lipstick, but, you know, she doesn't bring it with her and she makes her, her, you know, her dress out of a scarf and she just, you know, kind of just swings her hair around and she's done and ready to go. So it's like we, you know, she wouldn't have, a her or a tweezer to pluck her eyebrows and she wouldn't you know have any of these tools and neither did anybody else and except the movie star so that's where he wanted to be and that's where we had to take it from yeah
0: um this film obviously is about a real time period in history as it chronicles as you said the transition from silent to talkies in the late 20s however much of the characters in the film, such as Margot's Nellie Leroy and Brad Pitt's Jack Conrad, are fictional characters. Um, because of that, what were the um, real life figures of this time period that you each sort of looked to, to, um, you know, draw on inspiration for these looks, Jamie Lee?
2: Um, I think for Clara Bow's kind of wildness that she had with her hair she was a um, great inspiration for me Um, there was I don't know there were just so many it was everything from not necessarily people who were working in front of the camera but just trying to find every type of reference we could dig deep into to find that wasn't so cliche not not you know the looks that you haven't seen every other time on a 1920s recreation film so it was not just scratching the surface of reference but really diving as deep as we could into it um but yeah there there is so much reference to go off and Damien gave us huge amounts of links for um, silent films and documentaries and images and it was I mean I I don't think I've ever looked at so much reference in my life. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was deep. It was, it was far reaching. (laughs) It's pretty amazing.
0: And have any inspiration for you behind these um, fictional roles of Nellie and Jack?
1: Yeah, I I kind of had to follow. Uh, makeup is usually kind of the last thing to be decided on, like you know, because obviously wardrobe set and hair set up of each other, and then I come in, and um, and it, it, we were constantly kind of uh, yo-yoing between. You know, if the clothes were twenties, then the hair and makeup couldn't be, and or if the hair was twenties, then you know. So, um, and I could tell we did some tests that that he, that he, uh, Damien just wanted her kind of natural looking. He didn't want. We did everything. We bleached her eyebrows. We did you know short hair, long hair, curly hair, straight hair, you know. Finger waves, bobs, you know, like endless. And we did some 20s makeups with that. And I could tell immediately that Damien did not want to go up down that road. And so my kind of go-to became just me imagining I was a Cinecitta in Rome shooting a Fellini film in the 70s, but we were doing like a 20s film. So that's kind of... You know, he he had a lot of references to Fellini and La Dolce Vita and some other movies, and uh, and as well as like newer movies like um, In the Mood for Love was definitely a huge inspiration for uh, Lady May Wong and um, what? No, Lady Fei. Is it Lady Fei Wong, Jamie? Lady, Lady Fei Zhu. Lady Fei Zhu. <laughs> What was her name? Um, Li <laughs> <Lee> Jun Lee. <laughs> I remember that. But um, so we, you know, it was like in the mood for love in 2046. And I was super excited when I saw those. Movies because these are like two of my favorite kind of stylistically uh, inspiration movies for almost everything I do. I just, I've been waiting for the opportunity to really do it. And so where everything is just like a little bit too, you know, the hair is a little too big and the eyeliner is a little too long and the lips a little too overdrawn. And and so it was like just super exciting to, to have those film references. Um, as far as photos, we did use as an inspiration just the wildness of, of uh, Clara Bow, but not necessarily. There was no like one or two photos that was totally the reference for her, except like just her messiness and wildness.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, as was mentioned before, even though the time period is the 20s, there definitely is a more modern look to the characters. And I wanted to touch on that juxtaposition of being set in the 20s while having the looks be more contemporary. We don't see the um, obvious bobs or skinny eyebrows or little bow lips on Margot like what we're used to seeing from many women during this um, time period. Heba, could you share what the decision- behind having a more modern look for Margot and making it look a bit messier, dirtier, um, which is so not used to what we're seeing?
1: Uh, that all came from Damien, uh, that he just wanted it timeless. And uh, and I have worked a couple of times before with Margot and uh, it, like on Once Upon a Time for, uh, well, for Sharon Tate, we started plucking her eyebrows and we actually, or I did actually start filling in a little bit more and we let it grow back in because once her eyebrows got like less, she like looked less like Sharon Tate, like with Sharon Tate eyebrows, she looked less like her than she just did with her normal eyebrows. And so I was hesitant on on even just plucking them a little bit because I felt like if if you're plucking a little bit then you're showing she has tweezers she could do it and try to look like the movie stars so we just like didn't pluck them at all and uh, because I think it, it it sells it more just from where she comes from and and that she has nothing so she wouldn't be just even cleaning them up a little bit. Um, But it's all from Damien. He was very particular about the dirt. He kept showing me photos from uh, There Will Be Blood. And so much so that I was like, oh, my God, the first day is like 500 extras. The second day is 800 extras. And they all have to be dirtied up. And so I called... uh, john blake who did there will be blood and i was like john (laughs) give me your secrets please because it's really hard to put dirt on you wouldn't think so but when you put dirt on and then you have to put something oily on top to to keep you know and keep the dirt on still and make them look sweaty it's it kind of like a tough combination so usually you just kind of do one or the other but he wanted everything and he didn't want just sweat I mean there was so much sweat that he was asking for more sweat and we didn't even know where to put it and um, so we I called in John Blake and he came and mixed up the dirt and taught me how to do it in my kitchen he came on set and played with us for a few days. So if Damien started saying this is not like the word there would be plot, I was like, oh, here's John. <laughs> he did it. He know he taught us how to do it. So but it was so much fun. We it was just a blast. And and to be a part of a movie like this that um that is like no CGI because I've done a lot of the Marvel movies and, you know, and in some of them, you, you still have good amount of number, but you don't have 800 background to put through hair and makeup. Usually you might have like a hundred, but, but this was just super exciting. Like there's no CGI. It's like just this huge epic, like they used to do back in the day. And, uh, and so, That was it. Jamie Lee, rescue me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I did want to ask you, Jamie Lee, uh, double a little deeper into Margot's frizziness and fluffiness with her hair, because it's so against what we're used to seeing um, in the 1920s, but it really speaks to what you mentioned earlier with her just being this like wild free spirit. Um, Can you talk about um, maybe, Damien's thought process behind wanting Nellie's look to be that way.
2: Um, I just want to thank you for noticing the fluff and the frizz because yeah. it is <laughs> I, I love it. Yeah. Um <laughs> makes me very happy, brings joy to my heart. Um yeah, I think well, it, it kind of started with Damien giving me the picture of the entire film, and as Heber said, like trying to keep it timeless and staying away from the cliche looks and we had like some key characters throughout that we could kind of hit those really um well-known period looks with and then there were characters that it was just like no we're going in the opposite direction and I think for a contemporary audience to be watching something that's set in the 20s they need to kind of you, you want them to relate to them a little more and the 20s can be so like rigid and structured and um Almost the hairstyles can look a little unflattering or dowdy type of thing, and if 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 you're somebody now watching that, you may not think, "Oh, I wish my hair was like that." Or she looks super cool. Um, <laughs> so we went in that other direction of doing the timeless, and it took a while to find Margot's look. We knew what hair color we wanted, um, and we tested as heber said so many um different wigs different lengths different styles um everything from micro bangs and super short bobs up to like the cheekbone right through to the long and wavy and i think because he knew that she was going to have um choreographed like dance routines and whipping her hair around and all that type of stuff he definitely wanted the length to be able to play with that and then of course the wild child that nally is um we just you know wanted volume and and the fluff and the frizz and for it to have its own freedom to it that it like can't be conformed and controlled like like she can't be um so yeah it was it was a lot of fun finally getting to that point and a big um like big inspirations For us with her, I was getting lots of images of Janis Joplin from Damien um, uh, live on stage, kind of, you know, whipping her hair around. Um, And then I kept looking at Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin Mm. (laughs) with his big, beautiful rock and roll hair. So um, that's kind of where we went with Nellie. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The whole film trying to... um, repeatedly talk to my teams about I want frizz I want fluffy I want flyaways we're not doing pristine every hair in place perfect hairstyles we've got to we've got to get some rawness and realness and kind of craziness into it so
0: yeah Yeah. and you have a little bit of frizz but I guess to a lesser extent with Jean Smart's hair as well um yeah still wanting that
2: softness and yeah
0: (laughs) yeah um have, uh, there's one last look i have to ask about which is toby mcguire's just personally i just think it's such a freaky scary look it looks like he hadn't slept in weeks um with whatever was going on under his eyes um <laughs> can you can you talk about sort of the inspiration behind that look? it was just such a standout even though he was you know only in a limited amount of the film
1: Oh, it's like my favorite scene. It's so creepy oh, and yeah. scary and just amazing and funny at the same time. Um, yes, the that was definitely a makeup that was inspired by Death of Venice. And, um, and Damien wanted kind of that Death of Venice kind of look for him uh, when he's at the blockhouse. And then there's the scene before where he didn't want him really, really. He was like, it's too freaky like just to meet him for the first time there with the white, white face. And so I talked to Damien about in a film where it's, it's kind of like you start seeing people that just kind of flash a white. And so I was like, it's really cool when it's kind of like there but not there and and we do have some white faces throughout the film um and one being from the scene from singing in the rain and because it that was more kind of like the period correct hair no uh, makeup with the colors they had for the lights they had so um so and when you see it in color, that's kind of what it looked like. So that you know, so it didn't look too weird throughout that he would like have this kind of makeup. And so we decided like that he would have the makeup on from like the night before or two nights before when he was at the blockhouse and you know, doesn't wash his face. So it's just kind of a little bit and actually what's going on around his eyes is just his skin and his eyes, but it just mm. looks so freaky with the white around it or the faded white. So and then Damien, he loved that idea that he would have some leftover of it and uh, wrote into that he would like start applying the makeup there, you know, as they were going to the blockhouse. Yeah. And the uh, teeth, Hibber,
2: the teeth. I mean, we just have to talk about oh my the teeth God, and Damien because yeah. he didn't want to see a white set of teeth
1: anywhere, which is like, thank you. <laughs> yes, even Margo's teeth were knocked down.
2: It could really take you out of a period film, like when you're watching it and there's everything's like dirty, grimy, and then there's this pearly white set of teeth, and you're like, whoa, what's happening? So that genius, I loved it.
1: Wow, awesome, yeah. Well, thank
0: you both so much for taking the time to chat Babylon again. It opens Christmas everywhere in theaters. Um, But yeah, Jamie Lee and Heba, thanks so much.
2: Thanks, man. Thank
0: you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to the Hollywood podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.